Well, hey there, hi there, ho there, you're as welcome as can be. Where did I get that? Is that Mickey Mouse Club? I don't know. Hi there. Hi, it's me, Greg Fish, and this is the 116, a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. This is a service, a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, but it's for y'all, or you-uns, depending upon which uh, region you're from, or you guys. You're all invited to come along for this little adventure, and don't forget to like us and share us on social media. It's a great way to help us get this word out. If you uh, follow us on uh, one of the video platforms, you can also subscribe. Well, you can do that on any podcasting platform. Subscribe, it's free, or follow whatever gives you the opportunity to do. And on social media, like us, share us. Go to PeoriaOne.com for more information and to leave us a message. And with all of that stuff out of the way, I want to welcome my uh, guest to the studio today. And it is Julie Bell. I've been waiting to get Julie Bell in here. She is our Director of Connectional Ministry, one of our newer staff members, I guess you would say. Right, right. It's been, it's been a year. Yeah. It has, it you've has been, been a here? year in March, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. And, and you have the, uh, the job of trying to bring things together with connecting people in, in to ministries where they can work, and uh, that's got to just be one of the easiest jobs on staff, so it's going to be a short podcast, right? Yeah, it's going to be short. Yeah, no, maybe it's not the easiest thing, especially coming off of the pandemic for two years. Uh-huh. Um, That's good. That has to be a really create some trying times and hard situations. So anybody who's watching in ministry can relate to that, and I'm sure. Well, maybe any business for that matter. But uh, this is a time when not only are people staying away from places like the church, even though we're kind of back to Walmart, right, not so right. much the church. Uh, no dispersion on Walmart, man. It just means that seems to be there seems to be a lot of We're people back, there. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, but they're staying away from church, and we've always struggled with this thing in ministry. It's the eighty twenty rule, and it seems to hold true for both volunteers and for giving. Uh, explain the eighty twenty rule, if you would. Well, and I think the eighty twenty rule is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, as I volunteered in school when my kids were young, you know, being room moms. Um, and that kind of thing. You know, it's always 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Mm-hmm. Church is no different. Yeah. Um, so I think it's pretty universal. Um, just coming off of the pandemic after two years of watching online and being at home, it's hard to get volunteers in a good year. And now coming off two years of not physically being in worship and being at the church, it just compounds that that hardness, so to speak, of getting those volunteers. Yeah, and you came on again right in the midst of the pandemic. I did. I, I did. None I of did. us expecting it to to last quite uh, as long as it has. We kind of feel like maybe we're coming out of it at this point in time. But why do you think the volunteerism, or is it, is volunteerism down? Why do you think it is? You know, I think there's a lot of different reasons. Um, People are busy these days, whether they're busy with young families, whether they're busy with just other volunteer things, just jobs, life keeps us busy. Um, So you have to be intentional about choosing what you want to do with your time. And it's important to choose the church to spend your time, not only in worship, but volunteer. Um, It's a choice we all make. Why is that? Why is it important to choose a church for volunteerism? Well, Scripture is full of do. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus taught us to do. It's not just hear my word, go do. Mm-hmm. Go make disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So we have to do church. 
Sure. And to me, in doing church, you become involved in your church. You become a volunteer. And I really don't like that word volunteer. Mm. You know, my yeah. Yeah. my title, director of connectional, it's making connections. It's making connections in worship. It's making com- connections with God while you're worshiping God. It's making connections with fellow members in the church. It's making connections with people coming into our doors for the first time, whether it's they walk in and the first person they see is a greeter who says, welcome to First Church. We're glad you're here. So it's all those different connections. So I I try to stay away from the word volunteer, even though that's what it is. And I have something I might add here just because you mentioned just an important thing, use the word do. And and there are some of us in the church, and not myself including this, who are afraid of the word do. And, and right. it's for this reason, because I think so many ministry groups have veered towards legalism. And uh, sometimes I find the people who, who bring out the word legalism are the most legalistic people themselves. Right, right, right. But it's interesting to note in the New Testament and go through the, the whenever Jesus is involved and Jesus says, do something. And I made a habit of doing this a couple of years ago. Make a note of that. Say, Jesus said, do this, do this. And if you have any questions, say, is this a do? Well, then just skip over it. Just find the things that he just definitely clearly says, do this. And then ask yourself two questions. One, was he joking? (laughs) And if the answer is, no, I don't think he was, then I guess the second's not a question, then then, then do it. Activate yourself. And I think we get into, I know I'm a doer. Mm-hmm. I'm an action person. You know, if it needs to be done, I get up and I do it. I don't wait for my neighbor to do it. I don't wait until you call me and say, hey, can I do this for you? I just get up and I do it. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you are a doer, you don't understand somebody who may not be a doer. Um, and it can be scary to step into something you've never done before. Um, I've been reading a book called Do It in Fear. You <laughs> know, I like that. Yeah, sometimes things that God calls us to do puts the fear in us, but we have to trust he's going to guide us right through those things. You know the author right off? Joyce Meyer. Oh, really? Okay. Do It Afraid. So Do It Afraid is what? Do It Afraid is the title. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I like that. So it's do it. Yeah. Don't say no just because you're afraid. Don't say no. Do it. Take that step in faith. And trust that God's got you, and he's going to provide for you. He's going to provide what you need. Well, the neat thing about fear that we don't give enough credit is the neat little adrenaline rush you get along with it. And sometimes that's exactly what you need to help you uh, smooth out the fear. Right, right, right. Fantastic. Now, uh, so let's talk about some of the things that we do do in the life of the church, uh, because these are kind of unusual for ministry and everybody's church has their own ministry areas. But for example, in the ones we deal with, there is really a vast array of opportunities to connect with everything from benevolence and serving people who are less fortunate to affinity groups and that sort of thing. Uh, Is there a difference, a different type of personality set you look for when you look at the different ministries? Well, I think so. If you're going to put somebody at the front door of your church to open the door and greet somebody, um, I, by nature, feel that I'm somewhat of an introvert. I like to be alone. You? Really? I like to be alone. Okay. Though, I love to have conversation, a Uh one-on-one or a small group. Get me in a larger group, and I'm a wallflower. Mm. Um, So, yeah, you have to look at people's personalities to see, you know, if they're going to step up like a greeter and, you know, welcome to First Church and not just, 
open the door and let the person walk in. So you do have to look at different personalities. Have you ever had somebody come and say, I want to volunteer for X, and you looked at them and realized that you don't have the personality for it? Like, I want to do benevolence. Man, I hate people. You know? Well, yeah, and there's, you know, you have to be a little creative on how to steer them, you know, maybe another direction. Mm-hmm. There's opportunities all over the place. So, you know, whether you're up and moving around like loaves and fish where you have to, you know, pick up and move things around and deal with the people, there are opportunities where you can sit in stuff envelopes, for example, the pens and the attendance sheets in all the pews. They don't just magically appear there. We have people who come in every week to Mm -hmm. stuff all those cards and pens in the chairs in the pews. Mm -hmm. And in in case anybody wonders, Loaves and Fish is our benevolence ministry, the ministries to the less fortunate around us. It has several different facets to it, but yeah. And and student ministries in the area's school as well. I know. Right, right. Lincoln School, which um, has been, you know, we just got back into the school um, Mm -hmm. just a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We've always had um, a program called Birthday Buddies, where people go into the classroom and they celebrate the kids' birthdays of that month. And we would take a treat. We would play a game, um, do a craft, read a story. And it was always fun for the whole class. And as we went in and had this little birthday party, it gave the teacher just a half an hour, 40 minutes to take a breath and know that we kind of had her class. And we haven't been able to do that. And this year I said, but we've got to still celebrate these children. We've got to make them feel special. So we came up with birthday boxes. Nice. So we take the treats, and Dan Phillips, our community minister's director, he delivers the boxes, and the kids know this birthday box comes in, and the teacher sings. And so, yeah, uh-huh. so there are ministries that we have had. You know, it's been a lapse in getting people and being allowed to be in this school. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, let's, let's kind of go there right now because let's look at some of the obstacles to helping connect people with a ministry. Uh, for example, maybe somebody, you know, there may be the mindset out there, I really want you to do this, but I don't want to be involved. I, I, and so you have to kind of find ways to overcome that. Is that a real obstacle? And are there others that you're finding towards helping people connect to the right ministry? That is a real obstacle. Um, I want it done, but I don't want to help do it. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I confess, it's a mindset I don't understand. Um, I, again, I'm a doer. If I see something that needs to be done, I do it. And that's probably maybe to at fault, too. I need to take a step back and let other people do it. You know, it's like teaching your kids to, you know, wanting them to take out the garbage. Well, I can't get mad when they don't do it on my time frame. Mm-hmm. You know, and not to call any particular group out, but one thing I've noticed sometimes I think people can get the mindset that they they have nothing more to give. They're they're at an age where they feel like you know I did my part. Right now, somebody else needs to serve me. Is that a healthy right. mindset? I don't think that is a healthy mindset. And Pastor Tim said in staff meeting the other day, you know, about being a member. You know, being a member of a country club, for example, you go and you're served at this club. You know, somebody who serves you dinner or whatever the service may be. And we're all members of this church, but we're here to serve. You know, we're here to serve God. And yes, we come and we, we, we worship God, but we still need to give back. Again, we get back to that doing. Mm-hmm. 
Jesus called us to do, to be in action. Yeah. So, and I wonder if another problem, and I hate saying this one because I'm a communications guy, but communications is often an issue because you can have a great plan and, and do this, this, this to communicate it and still have people say, oh, I, I, I didn't know anything uh, about it. Uh, what do you say to that? Well, and it's hard to get the word out of the volunteers we need. Mm-hmm. You know, I could spend all day, every day on the phone calling individual after individual and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. So getting out what we need, you know, what is the best way? And you've been great in helping me with the digital boards. And, you know, we put it in the bulletin. We've got Mission First. And what that is is being in mission mm-hmm. at First Church. So we put those out. So it is hard to find the way to get to that volunteer. You know, I think the last couple of Sundays I've noticed after 8.30 worship between services, there are more people milling around. You can tell people are coming back. And so that's great to see, especially for me, mm-hmm. because then I can kind of eyeball and I know, okay, people are coming back now. Maybe I can start tapping in to some of those people. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but that's probably a big obstacle for, obstacle for others is that people hadn't been milling around as you said they've been right. coming and then leaving quickly staying socially distanced exactly. so we're just not getting used to kind of milling around right the gathering center has been really not a place of gathering in the last couple of years and it's just been in the last few weeks that i've noticed people milling around between services and it's it's great to see are, are people use because we have an information center in our church and, and a lot of churches they like a welcome center a welcome desk a lot of them have adopted that ideology, especially in a place that is uh, where people come into the facility. Do you find that still to be a useful tool, or has that started to uh, show some age as far as an idea in ministry is concerned? I think it is aging. Um, again, when I came in right during the pandemic, um, we have somebody at the information desk, and very few people stop and ask for questions or ask for direction. But I don't feel we can not have somebody there at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, from from your experience, and what what makes a good information center or welcome center? Well, I think it's somebody who can give direct. If it's somebody new, they can give direction. You know, hey, I want to go to this Sunday school class. Can you tell me how I go to the worship center? Where Where's the sanctuary? Uh-huh. You know, e- just even directions, physical directions. There's always information on our ministries. That if somebody wants to get connected, we've got information that, you know, we'll tell them that. Um, information if they have children, if they need child care, if they need, you know, youth. That kind of that one-stop shopping, so to mm-hmm. speak, that they can come and ask questions and get some answers. And one of the things we've done, too, and again, this kind of falls into a lot of what the work I've done, but we've we've adopted these video boards throughout the building and tried to be strategic with the way we use them because people are drawn to TV. Right. Uh, we right. like to watch TV. So is this still a technology that for an information center uh, has some useful aspects, do you think? I think the video board does. I think with the video board, somebody has to stop and read the video board. Mm-hmm. So where our information desk is located, I feel, is a pathway from point A to point B. Okay. Not many people stop there. Um, maybe it needs to be repositioned, place somebody someplace else where it's more welcoming. Um, 
I'm not quite sure. I'm, you know, I'm looking at that whole that whole information desk. I've got an idea. This idea just came. Pardon me, folks. I'm going to share an idea with Julie here real quick. <laughs> Why not paint the wall behind it a different color than the other wall so it stands out even more? Well, we could. Mm-hmm. I've even thought huh? about having it in a circle in the middle of the gathering space. So oh. you have oh. to see it at that point. Yes, that's that's good. So, okay, let's get back to some practical tips now. We have somebody who's listening uh, who really doesn't feel connected. Now, one of the things that we know in ministry work is that, that a, a lot of times we blame others. We say, well, they just don't let me in, or it, that, that ministry group is all clicks or, right. or whatever. So right. let's just say we have somebody who feels disconnected, but yet would agree, yeah, I feel like God is calling me to connect in some way. What is the first thing you would recommend for them to do? If somebody has a particular ministry that they're interested in and they feel God is calling them, call me. Let's have a conversation. And if there are obstacles that you feel are, or barriers, you know, that maybe you've tried to get into, you know, to connect with a ministry and you have felt some barriers, come to me. Let's have a conversation. And then for those who are watching outside of our particular ministry here at this church, uh, I'm guessing you would encourage churches to, at a time where having trouble finding volunteers, that that connectional either volunteer or staff member, if the church can afford that, is a vital thing these days? Would you say so? I mean, we're talking job security here for you, but seriously, is that something other churches should consider seriously? Having somebody To do your job, whether it's a volunteer or a paid staff position, that your job is perhaps a little bit more crucial at this particular time that we are in. Do you, oh, do you I, agree I th- with that? I think it's very crucial to get people, especially now we're reconnecting, mm-hmm. you know, people. People have lived isolated, alone, you know, for two years now almost. And so now just coming back, you know, we feel like we're meeting our friends again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a slow process, and we know it's going to be a slow process. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get, we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Okay, so we get the person to the point now where they understand they can come and talk with you or hopefully connect with somebody who is in an authority or leadership position in their church. How do you help somebody find their thing? How do you connect people once, especially if you don't know them? What's what's your first part of the process? Well, I haven't had a lot of experience doing that yet mm-hmm. because you know, we've been members of this church since 93. I have a long history here coming as, you know, a child. So I know a lot of people. So I tend to go to those that I know, of course, when I have a need. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. So, so conversation, I'm guessing probably just a, a good conversation right, right. with them. And, and uh, some churches do uh, these personality or strength finder kinds of of things, do you think? I, I mean, I, I have mixed feelings about those. What What are your right. thoughts about tests? I don't know. You know, when you were um, graduated from college, there was it was called um, what was it called? Color my parachute, or I don't know something. And it was a test. It would you uh-huh. would take it, and it would kind of give you an idea of what kind of job you know you oh, would be good yeah. in or interested uh-huh. in. And I know I took those. But I also had in my mind what I thought I wanted to do. So, of course, I answered those questions according to what I thought I wanted to do. So I think I skewed it, you know, myself. So I think the same is kind of true with, you know, we've done spiritual gift tests, you know, or 
I don't know if test is the right word, yeah. you know, to find Quizzes, out surveys, yeah. survey, yeah. right. You know, so I don't know, you know, if we can be really brutally honest with ourselves and take those accurately. Gotcha. So let's do this then. Let's, let's break down some of the areas where people can connect within a ministry work where, where, you know, we are looking for people right now, because I have a feeling that these will connect with anybody in ministry. Now, the place I want to start off with has been a, a, a we've had a lot of conversation around that. And that's the area of technology, because right. I think people think that if I'm going to help in the technology area, that I have to be good with technology. When in case, isn't it true that sometimes it's just a matter of learning one button and following a service plan? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that is the trick of my job is communicating those areas where we need help, like AV, because you're right. If I just say I need help in AV, you know, there may be somebody who would say, boy, I'd love to do that, but boy, look at all this digital stuff around. I can't do this. Well, you don't have to know all that. So that's part of my job is to try to communicate those needs in a fundamental way. I think sometimes in, in a technology job in a church, it's just as important that the person understands, or has an ear for music at times as well, can hear that if you're going to be in like the mixing area, to be able to hear the music as well as understand the technology. Uh, and, and also it's a very uh, cooperative kind of position, and that is that you're really, your job is to carry out the mission and the vision of the pastor and the worship leaders, and that can be a a challenge for volunteers as as well, wouldn't oh, you say? Right, right. I think it can be kind of daunting. You know, it's like, you know, I don't want to volunteer because what if I mess it up? Mm-hmm. You know, it's online. It's on, you know, it's on Facebook. It's everywhere. Everybody's going to see my mess up. So, and that's that's why it's important for the church. And I think I think our crew does a really good job of this. Offer adequate training. So, so first of all, the area of technology would be somebody who really wants to help communicate worship. Maybe maybe you're great at technology. Maybe you're scared of it, but you don't have, it's not, technology isn't always about technology. Uh, It's really, if it's put together well, is provided in such a way that you can step in and with minimal training, be able to uh, handle things. So technology would be an area. Let's talk about another area, children's ministry. And this is where we get into a little bit more of a concern for the individual, finding the right person to put in there. But my take is that a lot of churches, including ours, are struggling at present for enough volunteers in children's ministry. That is true. And I think, too, our children are pulled in so many directions today, you know, whether it's sports or dance or whatever. And parents, you know, they're working, and they just feel frazzled. And one more thing, you know, to teach Sunday school on Sunday morning just about puts them over the edge. And I understand that. I I was a mom of two young boys. Mm-hmm. But it was important to me at the time, I mean, it still would be if my boys were young, that I was involved, that it was important to me to have my kids in vacation Bible school. So then I felt that I needed to be a part of that team making vacation Bible school work because it was working for my kids, mm-hmm. not just my kids. But I felt but I felt that need. Do, do, do you think there's a generational mindset that's different, or do all of the generations struggle with this uh, right I now, volunteering children? I think there's a change. And I'm not that much older than the young moms of today. I don't feel that mm-hmm. I'm that much older. But I think there is a change in mindset. Yeah. Um, I don't know if overall our culture is a you do for me, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um 
And that's that's a sad state of affairs, if you ask me, is is if that's our cult, you know, our our thought overall, because that yeah. we need to change that. Are you are you seeing volunteers really being burned out in children's ministry? Um, you know, I maybe you know I have been disconnected from the children's ministry for quite a while. My kids are in their mid to upper twenties, um, so I haven't been that involved. But it is hard, and I know even when they would come to me and say, "Would you teach Sunday school?" and my immediate reaction is, "Oh, <laughs> yes, I yes. am not. It, nothing to do with teaching the children. I I love to be with kids. It's oh." I'm not sure I'm qualified to teach God's word. You, you know, that happened to me because they asked me to teach the young teen, the middle school class when my daughter was that age. And I did not want that group at all. And it yeah. ended up being one of the more rewarding experiences of my, my life as a lay person back in the, before my ministry years. I did many years of substitute teaching mm-hmm. and I started grade school. And then as my kids got older, then I would kind of follow them to the school that they went to through middle school and high school. And I found that middle school kids are my favorite. They are weird. Sometimes they're dorky. But you know what? You just can have fun. And I would go in and, yeah, we'd get our work done. But you could still have fun doing it. So you just have to relate to them. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing because I remember I've had a lot of leaders who are significantly older, but we kids love them just fine. Uh, So let's look at another area of ministry work then and uh, just thinking in general of ones where I know that we are struggling and perhaps other churches are. I guess that would be in the area of of hospitality, greeting folks and that sort of thing. Would that be another significant area in need right now? Um, You know, actually right now I'm doing pretty well. Oh, forget that. Forget that um, one then. No. <laughs> you know, and, and I have found too that when you ask somebody to do it once a month, mm-hmm. anything, any any connectional or volunteer job, if you ask them to do it once or twice a month, you're going to get an easier yes than, hey, would you do this every Sunday? Good and then idea. they feel it's every Sunday for the rest of their life. You're sure. not going to get many people to say yes to that. But if I say, hey, would you be willing to greet once a month, even twice a month? Oh, yeah, I can do that. Even, you know, you said the information desk, which my biggest obstacle with getting people there, oh, but what if I don't know the answer when they come, you know, and ask the question? Well, there's somebody, all you know, one of us staff members is always around, but that is an obstacle, too, is making sure that they feel equipped to do this volunteer job. Now, among the other jobs, I know that we've we've looked for people, and a lot of churches need people uh, to actually lead worship, whether it's singing. Uh, our, our church is one that has two very distinctively different services, so one has choir needs and that sort of thing. The other right. maybe more musician, along the line of musician needs. But it, would you say right. that's the other really significant, or, or are there any other significant areas of Well, I think the need? choir, I think they're looking um, for choir members. I mean, I think there's a need all the way around. I don't think if somebody said, Hey, I want to come be a part of this ministry that anybody is going to say, no, you know, I've got enough people. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever find gotcha. that. Let's talk, let's take one final, and we're, uh, well, almost out of time here, but I want to take one final, uh, more step with you in this thinking process. And that is, uh, about what happens when we volunteer, because there's that initial reservation. Oh, I can't do this. I don't have the time. Let somebody else do it. But an interesting thing happens when you say yes and begin to do it. And that is, it seems like that whenever we step up, the Holy Spirit always meets us in that place and gives us power and gives us even 
even though we don't do it for a reward, it gives us the blessing reward that we weren't expecting. Absolutely. That, and yeah. I've got a perfect example. When we, before Lincoln School, we had Irving School. Mm-hmm. We had um, Bear Buddies. And I would have a buddy and I would go once a week, once every couple of weeks and read to my designated child. And we would read and I would take Christmas gifts and we would do little things. And we really, I got to know her you know, and she felt that she could open up to me. And I'm telling you, every time I left that school, I felt like, wow, that was for me. That wasn't for her. Wow. You know, I think it's fair to say, too, and just to talk with all of you, whether you're in uh, our particular ministry region or not, if you are going through a struggle right now, going through a hardship, uh, especially an emotional crisis, this is actually your best time to volunteer because there's some kind of a special blessing that comes up. I, I find that the best way to get your mind off of your own problems is to turn your mind to the needs uh, of others. And I see you're agreeing right, with that. I yeah. agree. Okay. Any other thoughts or encouragements to the folks who are listening about uh, volunteering? No, I guess, you know, as the word says, just go and do. Or I should say getting connected. We, we st- right, right, I, I'm still right. stuck on volunteering. I know, and I get stuck too, and I just don't like that word. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I like the word connect. So let's talk first to our listeners who are connected with the uh, First United Methodist Ministries in downtown Peoria. Uh, Julie Bell, get us connected. What do they need to do if, if uh, we've been talking to them and we've spoken to them? They say, I'm ready. I'm ready. What's the next I'm step? Ready. Call me. Email me. Any way you want to get connected to me. I will find a connection for you within the body of this church. That's it. And, and, and if they're outside of the church, if, if anybody wants to connect, uh, connect with you with questions from outside of our call ministry, yep. call or, yeah. Call or, or email me. Yeah. Yep. And Anytime. you can, you can find all that on our website at peoria1.com. That's peoria1.com. And otherwise we want to encourage folks, please uh, talk with your church leadership because they're, they're not, the bad guys we often pay. Right. There, are, there are some churches out there that are stinkers. Yeah, we get it. Right. But for the most part, I think right. people genuinely want to see people connected and involved in healthy, forward-moving ministry. So and think, connect. And I think people want to be connected. It's how do I get connected? And that's my job to help get them connected. Julie Bell, thank you so very much for joining us for this conversation today. And be sure and continue this conversation long into the future because there's so much more we can mine out of this. But, uh, yeah, blessings to you in in your ministry work, Julie. Thank you. All right. And uh, this has been The 116. It's a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. The 116 is a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. Don't forget to like us and share us on social media. Follow us or subscribe on your platform. It's free, and it helps you follow all the things that we are putting out there and all the information we are putting out there. And again, Peoria1.com is a great reference point for all things that we are talking about here, Peoria1.com. Thank you so very much for coming along. I'm Greg Fish on behalf of the 116. It's been a pleasure to have you with us today.